1: Welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dials. We take you up until noon. Uh, Scott Dockerman coming up in about 20 minutes. We will uh, talk Hawks with Doc. We'll also talk FCS, which uh, their spring season kicks off this week. And Scott's got a a good primer, uh, if you will, if you subscribe to The Athletic. Does The Athletic give you a couple of freebies before they make you pull the trigger?
2: Uh, They do have some that they unlock from time to time, either big stories, important stories, and and the like, or... Just something where they want to get people hooked in. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you get freebies, but if there's some of those unlock stories, you can hit them up that
1: way. Well, it's a good piece. I I read Mm -hmm. it this morning, and uh, I'm ready for FCS football after reading what Scott Dockerman. I'm waiting for the athletic to devote someone to Iowa State athletics. Right. Uh, This football program... This just in Mm -hmm. Uh, has everybody back. They're going to be a factor again in the Big 12 this year. The basketball will return uh, to prominence at some point, you would think. Maybe our next guest. Well, no, he's got a good gig. He's not giving up (laughs) K-A-S-I. Dave Sproul back from vacation, 1430 on the AM dial. That's where Iowa State plays in, Story County. Don't you think it's time, Dave Sproul, that uh, the athletic, which Trent and I both feel isn't going away anytime soon uh, and is going to be at least for the foreseeable future, how a lot of us consume our um, journalism in the world of sports. Isn't it time Iowa State had a uh, had a writer devoted to the Cyclones?
0: It, it would certainly be nice, but I, I kind of wonder how many more subscriptions are you going to get based on Iowa State coverage and whether that's worth the investment. Well, you're a loyal base.
1: You're a loyal <laughs> fan base, Dave, as you know.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I, I I tend to think sometimes the media coverage of Iowa State is almost flooded. There are a lot of outlets, yeah. uh, you know, dedicate themselves at least in part to the coverage. And uh, but it, it, the more the merrier, is what I say.
2: Uh, no doubt. Well, this uh, the basketball season continues Tough to, to talk about. It is you know you're trying to find any kind of positives. That's one thing I brought up to Ken earlier. Steve Prohm. you've got to obviously know him very well, Dave. During this, he is. At least on the surface, such a nice guy that it's hard. Maybe it's hard just to kill the guy because of that. From your perspective, is that maybe lead at times where any other coach we'd be ripping them nonstop and talking about how terrible it is? And because Steve Prum's a pretty nice guy, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to do.
0: Yeah, you know, I was talking to a fan at Hilton Saturday, and this is you know one of those people who is the definition of loyal son, forever true, and all that. <laughs> right. And he said, you know. I wish I wish he wasn't such a nice guy because that makes this a whole lot harder. But he also acknowledges the reality of that this is not going to continue. This this really can't uh, be a, something that Iowa State does going forward. And that's you know stick with a coach who goes more than or a, almost a calendar year without a Big Twelve win, potentially a full season without a Big Twelve win. That's just that just can't be acceptable uh, for a program like Iowa State. And uh, with each day going along, it. Certainly uh, seems to me it's becoming clearer and clearer that Steve Prohm won't be Iowa State's coach next season.
1: No, and the team knows that, Dave, and he knows that. And I think that that's a, that goes a long way uh, to what we're seeing, by the way. Boston College just fired uh, their head coach, so Boston College is on the board as they will get out there. Jim Christensen losing his gig uh, at Boston College. I want to ask you about one particular point of the basketball game, and I know you tweeted about it, so you'll know what I'm talking about. I I, I couldn't believe what I was watching, and we have praised Rasier Bolt He's been one of the bright spots on this team mm-hmm. uh, throughout this disappointing season. Um, and it was the timeline violation when no one was guarding him, and I would have thought that somebody on the bench, I mean, were they not paying attention? Were they hanging their heads at that point? It's not like he was guarding. And Dave, it's not like his next step he would have been over the timeline. He wouldn't have been. But how does that happen uh, when you're you know trailing by Kansas? And was the game out of hand at that point? Maybe. Uh, but my, oh, my, that was, uh, it just kind of typifies what this season has all been about, right? It encapsulates it.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I tweeted about it. It's just it's absolutely astounding that something like that would happen in a basketball game. Iowa State probably lost a couple seconds. Maybe they didn't realize it in, in the course of gathering a rebound there. And but Bolton was, I mean, he started almost at the back line there, and he was two steps short of the the half court stripe when he when the ten seconds was up, and it was pretty clear. I mean, there was twenty yeah. seconds on the shot clock, and he was still two steps shy of the of mid court. And yeah, there's nothing that encapsulates the the season for Iowa State. It's just it's not just about making shots or running plays correctly. It's it's about a lot of those little things where you're just your head doesn't seem to be in the game, or the most basic thing just seems to kind of elude you. Like he it seems like two or three seasons now, maybe more. He's lamented the lack of uh, the touch to tail, particularly on defense. Well, it seems like that should be something that you know is fixed by now. And the the kind of things where I remember a game early in the season where two Iowa State players went after the same rebound. Uh, They didn't realize it. Nobody on the bench or on the court, you know, screamed out, hey, same team, you know, you're supposed to let your guys know. you got two guys on the same team going after it, and they end up knocking the ball out of bounds away from each other. Uh, Those are the two plays that will probably be the most outstanding to me for this season because that just uh, epitomizes uh, what's what's going on with Iowa State basketball this year.
2: Dave, uh, 3 o'clock start tomorrow against Oklahoma State. Ken mentioned it was weather-related just because of the cold weather getting there. But just so odd to see something like this. I guess it's an odd season in general. But 3 o'clock start time, just how different that's going to be. And I would figure also ESPN2 or U or somebody would want to pick it up. Looks like this is a plus-only broadcast, though. Yeah,
0: that's kind of the way of the world. And the fact that it is midday and there's other programming already, you know, scheduled for that part of the day that you really can't preempt, you uh, could, I suppose, but it would probably create more hassles than it's worth for ESPN when you can just put it on the ESPN Plus streaming service and let it go. It's not like you're going to draw a whole lot of more eyeballs for an Iowa State-Oklahoma State game at this point, <laughs> yeah. even if Oklahoma State is ranked. Uh, you're not going to get that much more eyeballs, I think, for that than you would for your regular midday programming at ESPN uh, because, uh, you know, th- these just aren't teams with a-, a great deal of television appeal right now.
1: Dave, um and did you did you partake in the uh, post game press conference uh, after Saturday's game with with Prom? Yeah, sure did. So did he mention that he wants us to start judging this team differently, other than wins and losses? Do you remember that quote? And if so, well, how does it, it, what did, what was there has to be some context in that?
0: Right. Well, I I don't think he said he wanted to be judged differently. I think some of the comments he made. We're consistent with comments he made before, but what stands out about it is that he's talking about, uh, you know, competing at a high level and the effort of his team and how happy he was with that and how he can live with the results. Uh, I I think those are things he has talked about consistently. And I don't think that's a change in the way you evaluate or the way he evaluates his team. It's just that coming out of that, those are the best things that he could say about his team coming out of that game. That should be the baseline. That shouldn't be, what you like best about a game? That should be the expectation of what you get game in and game out. And you need to find something better. And if you can't, then that shows where your your program is at. And and it just feels like making a statement after a 14 point home loss to Kansas, an unranked Kansas. Mm-hmm. That I can live with the results is uh, just the last thing that that your fan base wants to hear. And it's the kind of line that tells you. Yeah, that's that's why you're not going to be the coach at Iowa State anymore.
2: Jaden Walker, 14 rebounds. Also had yeah. a bunch of assists, but turned it over six times. Those are some of the, the freshman growing pains you're going to be. But as it feels like this thing is slipping away, I expected to see more freshmen than Jaden Walker, but he was the only one that we saw. Any insight into that? Yeah, I think,
0: I mean, I, I, I've seen, you know, fans say, in the past, well, if we're going to be bad, let's get the young guys out there, get some experience mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm not a big fan of that approach because it, there's also the great potential that you're going to go out there and just destroy a kid's psyche by throwing them out there in the Big 12 when they're just not ready to compete at that level, uh, just in a skills context. And and I think that's probably the case. I mean, when Steve from is setting his lineup and putting together his game plan and deciding his substitution patterns and all that, he's not thinking about you know, what's gonna be best for this team next season or two years down the road. He's thinking about the best way to win that particular game. And I think that's the way a coach should set their mindset and, you know, they they also have to think in a sense in the long term in in terms of a development for the younger players, and it might not be a situation where it's best to to put those guys out there right now. So I I, I don't really have a problem with keeping those freshmen off the bench if he genuinely feels they're not ready or they can't help Iowa State win that particular game. Uh I'm going to presume that is the case too, just to, to, to give coach some credit for, you know, thinking in the best possible terms of what's best for his players and what's best for. You know, giving his team the opportunity to win on that day. And
1: I do see that the conference is starting to reschedule some of the makeup games uh, that were postponed due to COVID for various. Uh, Iowa State, K State is not amongst them yet. I saw that uh, West Virginia and Baylor game has been rescheduled, which should be a dinger. By that West Virginia, Oklahoma game was uh, terrific. The uh, uh, the double overtime game, um, twenty three turnovers, Dave. Yeah, I mean, clearly that, that can happen. Only seven assists. So when we look at what's left of the schedule that we know of, and I do anticipate K-State will be parked somewhere uh, at some point in, in all likelihood, they've got to... Uh, Oklahoma State, the Texas game is back on the schedule. Oklahoma, Baylor, those four teams are all ranked, and they're the next four up before TCU um, would make an appearance back here uh, in Ames to end the season. And TCU for the game in Fort Worth, I thought there, I thought as we, well, you were gone last week, but I'm sure you saw it that Iowa State was actually had a chance to win that basketball game. That looks like it's it, right? That it's the TCU game at the end of the regular season if this team is going to find a way to win a game in conference
0: that would appear to be the best opportunity but as you indicated they they absolutely should have won that game down at tcu earlier and there's no guarantee i mean you don't get a lot of home court advantage right now without fans in the stands so i'm not sure if that's something you can count on making a difference in in the rematch i mean maybe you know if you you got to hope that texas or oklahoma maybe has a really bad night or maybe oklahoma state tomorrow has just has a bad day and they're all distracted by the bad weather down there that they're not used to, but Iowa State can handle that in stride? I don't know. You, you got to, at this point, you got to hope that one of those opponents has a really bad day. And even when we're talking about TCU, you got to hope they have a bad day and that Iowa State plays one of their best games of the season, if not their best, absolute best game of the season, in order to just believe you can have a chance to win those games because it's it. I look at that schedule yeah, I'm not very optimistic that there are any uh, wins left out there for Iowa State right now.
1: Does't look it so let's end on a positive note the uh, Iowa State their football schedule came out uh whilst you were gone uh anything jump off uh, with you either from a uh a positive or from a disappointing that that game schedule there that doesn't make any sense did you uh do you have any thoughts on the uh, on Iowa State's big twelve uh slate for two thousand twenty one?
0: The first thing I looked for was, when does Iowa State play Oklahoma? That's going to be a pretty huge game. It's nifty. I think it's nice that they did push it kind of late to the season, Mm -hmm. uh, actually second to last week of the regular season on November 20th. Uh, That should be a big game if everything goes according to plan for for both programs. uh, It should be a a really fun matchup by the time you get there. and might see each other a few weeks later in the Big 12 championship game again. Uh, It's going to be, I think, fun to see Texas coming to uh, Ames in November. I think the road trip to West Virginia could get really interesting. And it's just kinda of sandwiched in there. Yep. They're in the middle of the stretch. I mean the the bye comes kinda of early on October ninth. That's the the weekend they have off, but then it's just week after week you're playing and then, you know, that West Virginia game's kinda of tucked in there between Oklahoma State and West Virginia or excuse me, West Oklahoma State and Texas. And West Virginia, you know, they're gonna they played so tough last year for almost all their games. They didn't play very tough against Iowa State obviously, but I, I was really impressed by the way they just came out and competed in every game they played last season it Except Iowa State, Uh, so I think that's going to be a really interesting um, uh, matchup when that comes around. And depending on how you know the the health of those teams and how everything plays out, but and it'll also be interesting to see you know the season opener at or the Big Twelve opener at Baylor, September 25th. Potential for that game to have another really really hot atmosphere like you saw a couple weeks ago or a couple years ago down there. So that that'll be an interesting matchup as well, but. Obviously, I have November 20th circled on my calendar. Big game down in Norman with Oklahoma uh, that you know very well could decide uh, you know who's the best team at least in the regular season in the Big 12.
1: And a lot of Cyclone fans have September 18th circled, and that's the trip to Vegas to take on <laughs> UNLV the week after Cyhawk. Uh, I, I'm sure as you uh, you know make your way through, and I guess it's it's not you don't bump into as many people as you once did during this, but the number of cyclone fans that are going to be packing airplanes to get to vegas to watch UNLV uh on that weekend it's it's going to be off the charts dave
0: i i absolutely agree and i know we have gambling options now more widely available in the state of iowa but there's nothing like the glitz and glamour no there isn't beautiful las vegas and and you know you got that grand Big, huge, new NFL stadium yep. uh, that they're going to play that game in. And uh, there's a lot of incentive for Iowa State to go out there and watch that. You know, at least probably not going to be very good, so you can just enjoy a nice, easy victory, presumably. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> have a nice little road trip to the desert in the late fall. We will uh, recap the week tomorrow at Oklahoma
1: State, Thursday, home to Texas uh, with you on Friday. Glad you're back, Dave Sproul. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Dave Sproul, KASI, in Ames 1430 on the AM dial.
2: So one thing I'm wondering about is Iowa State, if the inevitable happens and Steve is let go, Mm -hmm. this will be the first coaching search that we've seen in our state at this level since the ability for guys to transfer became a lot easier. Oh, yeah. A lot easier. Mm -hmm. And you look at the returning roster in the past, you know, initially, oh, you're going to lose four, four, five, six guys, and usually it was a couple, right? This is different. Yeah, whoever this, new, whoever
1: the new coach is, Trent, it's a great point. Better be able to bring some dudes with them
2: because you want Rasir Bolton back next yes, year, hell yeah, in a huge, huge yeah. way. You want Javon Johnson back, uh-huh. and you want those freshmen probably all to stick around. Maybe most importantly, the point guard from Milwaukee committed. Mm-hmm. You want him because yep. this team desperately needs a point guard. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that component, not just the recruiting you normally do, but keeping these guys around. And how much more difficult that'll be for a new coach? It's not the wild, wild west, but it's getting there. No, you you have to bring some people with yeah. you. Yeah, just how different this roster very well could it's look. It's
1: an excellent point. It's 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 all brand new. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a good thing, by mm-hmm. the way, for the guy, for the kids, absolutely. Yep. We'll take our time out. We'll come back with Scott Dockerman. It's time for another thousand dollars slam dunk. I never thought about that, Trent. That's very. That's a good point. Uh, text the keyword easy to 200 right now. It's your chance at a thousand dollars. Easy to 200. hundred two hundred. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, we will talk Iowa and FCS with Scott Dockerman from the Athletic when we come back. Miller in Condon on fourteen sixty KX. One Hi, six. I'm Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX and O one oh six point three on the FM dial. It's about 11.30 here on a Monday as we take you up towards the top of the hour. Well, as we mentioned on the program, if you're a fan of the Panthers, if you're jonesing for some more college football, you're in luck. And if you subscribe to The Athletic, our next guest, Scott Dockerman, not only will we talk Hawks with Doc, we'll talk a little FCS as he put together a terrific primer that dropped this morning at The Athletic. Doc Trenton, Ken, uh, yes, sir.
2: Uh, breaking news. You, you and got? I announcing TV options for four home games, something we were just talking about a little bit earlier. You... Shed some light on Friday for All me. Right, here we go. Season opener scheduled for Friday, February 19th against South Dakota State. Will be available in the Des Moines market on Channel 23. KCWI. For friends over on the east side of the state, uh, you can also find that in the Davenport Market, Cedar Rapids Market has it. All kinds of places, and also NBC Sports Chicago. How about oh, fantastic! That? Oh,
1: it's so all So my Friday night
2: is set. So have the others? <laughs> yeah, have the others come out for the
1: Panthers? Or uh, those are four home games they have listed here. Gotcha. Yep. But we'll get TV on those too. Mm-hmm. Bang. Hello, Scott Dockerman. That's good news. I enjoyed your primer. We've been promoting it all morning long, especially for those that want more football. You're a Panther fan. Uh, Doc, uh, that a, was a great idea. Whoever put it in your head, or if you came up with it on your own, uh, it just gives us, um, you know, takes us kind of reminds us some things that we might have forgotten here in the throes of basketball season.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and thanks for having me on. And it was to put it together. It's a lot more work than normal simply because of the staggered number of games and starts and who's opting out, which teams and, and all of that. You know, normally you have your schedules set, and they're all pretty universal. But but I think, uh, you know, what you, you do when you look deeper into the FCS and you remember, oh, wow, you know, Southern and Grambling, the Battle of the Bands, what a terrific, yeah. <laughs> you know, situation that is. Then you look at, you know, Lafayette, Lehigh, and then the Valley. I mean, I consider the Valley kind of the SEC of, of – uh, you know of FCS, and it's just you know there's some amazing games going on there, and I have the feeling that once we get a couple into this a couple of weeks, that uh, people will start to gravitate towards FCS football on television. It's it's something that uh, you know obviously Vegas will, and I, I think what we'll see is that people instead of they'll watch their favorite basketball team. And then once you get into March Madness, they'll be off on that. But and other than that, I think they're going to be interested in some of these games.
2: Well, of course, because of proximity, you know a lot about you and I, and and just some of the overflow you get there in Eastern Iowa. How good is this Panthers team? I know back last summer when it looked like maybe we were going to have a regular season during the fall for the FCS. I saw them as high as number 2 in a couple of the rankings. They were pretty much consensus, I think, top five across the land. But there's guys opting out. What do you know about this year's spring Panther football team?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm just starting to really dive into the Panthers. And, I mean, obviously a quarterback, you know, all the Iowa State fans saw that. <laughs> a little over a year yeah. ago with uh, Will McLean uh, or whatever. Oh, wow. It was just mm-hmm. an amazing game. From there. Lincoln, right? Double yeah, Des Moines-Lincoln. Yep. What's that?
1: From Des Moines-Lincoln. Yeah, from Des Moines-Lincoln. Yep. Des Moines-Lincoln.
3: Yep. Right. Yeah, he was uh, outstanding. He's going to be a real difficult player for anybody to defend against. And, and I, I think what I find most fascinating and is that each of the, the best of the Valley teams lost some players that have declared early yep. for the draft or have left. And and so you don't really know how good they're going to be. I mean, you got Trey Lance, of course, it's going to be a high first-round pick for North Dakota State. Kate Johnson, whose younger brother Keegan just uh, you know started at Iowa, you know he's going to be a, a probably at least a third rounder for South Dakota State. Then you look over at I and Northern Iowa, three big pieces left: uh, mm-hmm. Ellerson Smith and Spencer Brown, and then Illinois State with Romeo McKnight on the outside going pro. I mean, and well, he went to Charlotte anyway and played last fall. So I mean, there's really a lot of questions. And I'm not sure we all know, but I think Friday night, if you want to have a, a great matchup, I mean, <laughs> you don't get much better than South Dakota State and Northern Iowa to start things off. And uh, the Valley was smart. Putting a game like that early, it's going to grab everybody's attention. And uh, I think at some point we're going to start seeing some of the national networks going, you know, we got to have some of these games on because people really would rather watch this than, than probably – Lower level basketball is my
1: guess. Uh, I'm with you, Doc. And you know what? We we've seen football leagues come and go. The you know try to uh, compete professional leagues. This is different. Uh, this is um, you know in a lot of people's case here in Central I. They they are Panther alums, and for that reason, I think a lot of people are going to watch. I I really mean that. I mean. I know going into you know some of those spring leads in the pros, I was all into it for the first week. Yes, I'm absolutely going to watch. And then I never turn it on again. Uh, that won't be the case here. I, this has got a chance, and I'm with you that uh, certainly fingers crossed that some of the big networks pick it up. Well, let's move on, Doc, uh, and let's go to college basketball. And, boy, oh, boy, you've covered a lot of games over in East Lansing hmm. uh, when you were at the Gazette uh, in, your, in your career following the Hawkeyes uh, throughout the Big Ten season uh this was uh this was one that was a long time coming and to see that luca garza only gets eight and iowa beats sparty by 30 uh that's kind of a head scratcher
3: (laughs) absolutely i mean who would have guessed that right uh i've seen a lot of beat downs over there and and this was completely in reverse a 30 point win i mean the, the previous high for iowa was 18 points and, uh, you know, and I remember, what was it, uh, five, six years ago when Iowa was able to take care of business there. And, uh, that was a real surprise. This one wasn't a surprise Iowa won or even won decisively, but by 30, uh, nobody would have mm. guessed that. So, but that's what you get when everybody clamps down on Luca Garza. And if everybody, if the other players could shoot from the outside, I mean, if you get Connor McCaffrey shooting four three pointers, um, you're going to be a very dangerous team. And I think that's what, what we saw. I mean, eight three-pointers in the first half. There was just no way Michigan State could contain that kind of offense. And and really, what we've seen over the last week or so is a much better defense from the Hawkeyes. And um, if they play this type of defense and their offense is moving the ball the way it has over the last week, I mean, they are a, is still one of the best teams in the country. So, um, you know, last week we were talking about Fran Fade. This week, that probably refers to somebody's haircut, but uh, we'll see
2: what happens the rest of the way. <laughs> it's uh, going to be a difficult schedule the rest of the way. It starts with Wisconsin coming up on Thursday night. want to get your perspective on Joe Wieskamp. We know the talent has always been there. This is an incredibly talented guy. We hear from national broadcasters he's going to play in the league because of his size mm-hmm. and that shooting ability, but it just feels like over the last week, week and a half, he's been asserting himself that much more, and understanding if I was going to hit the heights that a lot of people think they can, Joe Wieskamp has to be a big part of it. What have you seen from Joe, and and what's different from the guy that a lot of times he could play a good half, but then would fade away? It's been complete games from him.
3: Yeah, good observation, Trent. I would really say he reminds me in mindset and ability, just a little bit different heights. You know a lot like Jared Utah that way, where he could mm-hmm. just dominate certain games and then just kind of disappear, and you wonder what is it and a lot of times I wonder if it's confidence with him the way it kind of was with with Jared Utah from time to time, where he just kind of wane and not really you know put that kind of uh you know swagger on the floor and and I think what it shows is when he is feeling it. He's as dangerous as anybody in the league. He's in that top five category. I mean, nobody's with Garza and probably DeSumo from, right. uh, from Illinois, but the rest of them, I mean, he's as good as anybody else. And so when he is moving and shooting like that and uh, everybody has to be cognizant of him, it just helps everybody. And, you know, even a game where they didn't have C.J. Frederick, who I'd say also has a similar impact, um, Joe Wieskamp can take over games, and he's got the length, the, the build. He can play defense. And he can definitely shoot. And when he's being aggressive, um, he's he's one of the better players in the country. And I think that's what we've seen the last few days of games. And if this continues and he takes this surge forward, Iowa's going to be a tough out. They've got a tough schedule, but you know what? Iowa's a tough out. So I, I think that's going to be really fascinating to see how this team grows because once Lee's Camp moves forward and people start shifting more of their attention there, then you've got Luca Garza and and. and You know, we're not going to see very many, if any, more eight point efforts from him.
1: No, I wouldn't expect, Doc. Uh, You know, what are you starting to see? Because Trent and I both feel this way. I'm anxious to pick your brain. You know, when you're reading your national uh, college basketball guys, it seems as though. The foregone conclusion that Luke is going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year and the Wooden Award winner—that was that—that that was he was home free at the end of January. But uh, we'll use Desomu, who's uh, been playing out of his mind. That game on Friday night, he was solely responsible for the comeback against a bad Nebraska team. But yet there he was. This is going to be a race, Doc. I think. Do you see it that way? Uh, because there's a lot of. I'm uh, not um, guards of fatigue amongst national guys, or maybe they're trying to create a story. I'd like to get your thought on that. Uh, if they're trying to make this more of a race than than it really is, a lot of love and rightly so for Iyo uh what he's doing.
3: It's interesting when you get into this uh, this part of the debate, of, of, as far as player of the year goes. It's the same way in football. You'll have your front runners, and then then you just start to. Get fatigued, as you mentioned, or just start overlooking their accomplishments because you expect it. But I think in, in Luca Garza's case, if Iowa continues to trend in this way, let's say, you know, out of their six, final six games, counting whenever the Nebraska game gets replayed, that Iowa wins five of them, then I think it's a lock. Then I, you know, then they're going to be a solid top 10 team, and he can't really look the other way. But, you know, when Iowa was losing four out of five, they lose to Indiana twice but his impact is minimized. And then you look at that team and then what, where does the end result? I mean, you know, right now in in the league, you know, nine and five, if they end up 12 and eight, you know, the people look at it and go, you know what? We need a player on a top five, top eight team to, to really be the player of the year. He could be a first team all American, maybe big 10 player of the year, but you know, the best player in the country, you know, sometimes you elevate your team better. So I think that's what we'll see. It's, if it's if all things are equal, if Iowa ends up second or third in the Big Ten, and he's uh, leads the country in scoring like he has been, then I think he's, he's a lock for that award. But if Iowa falls off, and uh, you know the Fran fade takes place, or if it you know just simply is, a, is an average finish, then I think he's probably going to lose a lot of votes when it comes to those national awards.
2: C.J. Frederick doesn't play against Michigan State. They do have a gap here. As it's a Thursday game against the Badgers this week. Would you, not knowing the medicals, of course, of this, but if it is maybe a week even too off, knowing long term that this team is going to hit those heights, the regular season title, it's off the floor. But mm-hmm. rest him even more and hope that that's enough to get him at least closer to right. Are you just out there? If the doctors say play him, just try him every time you can get him out there on the floor
3: it's a tough thing because you're talking about plantar fasciitis or, you know, and that's really tough to, to figure out. I mean, you know, anybody that's had it, that's a runner. I mean, it's excruciatingly painful sometimes. Then it's other times it's tolerable. And he's a very competitive player is as feisty as any player on the team. So he wants to play. So unless it is to the point where he cannot run up and down the floor, he wants to play. And I don't know that you can hurt it that much more. Maybe you can a little bit, but so, I think it's going to, it's truly a day-to-day thing. So if he feels like Thursday morning when they're in Madison, Wisconsin, that, Hey, I, I think I can play through this and he goes through the shoot around and it feels all right. He's going to play, but if it's going to hurt the team, then I think it's probably pulling back. And it makes sense. You want him later, but then do you, uh, do you hurt yourself in the, in the process? If he can play. So I don't know that it could get a whole lot worse. Um, I don't know that they'll have to shut him down for good. If it, if, Something goes, takes a turn here. I think it's it's kind of like what Fran McCaffrey said. It's an every every day thing. You you'll get a different answer.
1: Um, one more basketball out of, out of me. Maybe it's just an observation. I didn't. We didn't talk about this, and I just realized, uh, fellas, with Wisconsin beating Michigan, or other way around, Michigan beating Wisconsin yesterday. That's, I was fourth, so that double buy is yeah, in play right yeah. now. Which for CJ Frederick would be big. So obviously a lot to play for that uh getting that double buy. So Doc, are you done with basketball, Trent? Yeah. Uh let's go to football then, Doc. Just a couple of things. Start with Chris Doyle. Uh no surprise that there that there was an about face late in the week uh when Urban Meyer made the announcement uh that Doyle is gonna be a part of his staff. The blowback was immediate and it was loud. Um, there's always, there's a group of folks out there that truly believe in second chances. I'm all for that. Uh, this just seems like it's going to be a while, does it not, before that second chance comes his way?
3: Yeah, it it does look that way. And I think there was a way that it could have happened, uh, but it didn't happen that way. I mean, really, what you have to do is, you know, whether it, you, you believe in it or not, you're going to have to have some sort of um, public repentance and, there was none of that, you know, that, that that's the only way that this could have happened and without any kind of blowback and just to kind of announce it. And, you know, that's very collegiate of uh, urban Meyer, mm-hmm. like everybody would get feisty for a minute or, or a week and then it moves and you move on. That's not the way it works with the NFL. That's not the way it works with grown men versus, you know, men or boys becoming men. I mean, it's just, you have to work with different people and, and, you know, Chris Doyle, you know, whatever the the realm of, you know, he was ho- horrible versus he was misunderstood. I mean, everybody falls in the middle there, you know, some on somewhere on that scale. He he left the University of Iowa. There was a separation agreement for based on his past actions, and that should have been, and that was. I mean, it is an incredibly difficult situation. It's still at Iowa, associated with him, and then in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that was really the only path that, that Jacksonville could take when the heat was this intense. And you know, at, nobody disagrees with what Chris Doyle can do for athletes. However, um, his track record is is difficult enough at, at Iowa that it gave too many people pause. And going forward, it's going to be tough for them to to you know without him coming out publicly and admitting his past wrongs or wrongdoings, I just don't see a path forward for him in that kind of role.
2: Can still be a consultant, can still probably make good money doing that, but in that kind of role, just not going to happen. Final thing for me, uh, more coaches on the move. He had a really good article on Tim Polishek, making the way up to Wyoming. Really enjoyed, uh, just seems like a guy that would be fun to Mm -hmm. sit down and have a beer with uh, when we get back to normal and we get some shots in the arm, but (laughs) just seems like a good dude, Doc.
3: He is, yeah. He's salt of the earth. and You know, he I literally started on the ground floor, sleeping on the floor or on couches um, to get in this business. And, yeah, he's kind of rough and gruff, and he, he knows football really well, and he did a really good job for Iowa as an offensive line coach. Never it, did it before, you know, which is, for some people, could be incredibly intimidating to say, okay, I'm going to try to coach offensive line with the ferences there. I mean, it just doesn't – it's not an easy task. Well, he did it and did a nice job. And now he's going off to Wyoming. I think you're going to see him in this part of the country again at sometime soon, you know, as either an offensive coordinator or, you know, maybe even a head coach at in one of the schools in this region. And so, uh, you know, great guy, had a lot of good things to say, uh, it, some interesting stories. And then also, uh, you know, just kind of what's left over for yep. Iowa, you know, with Mark Callenberger you know, retiring, you know, there's some questions on what's going to happen there. And he seemed to, you know, really think that the holdovers are going to, Grow pretty quickly in that in those roles, so um, yeah, I, I thought it was. It was really interesting to be able to have a you know an hour-long conversation with him about what's next in his career.
1: Yeah, and what's next in the offensive line uh, at Iowa. I thought that was a great scouting report that uh, he was able to provide for. you. Not that he's going to rip on any of his guys, but uh, he, he did. Uh, it was really well done, Scott. I'm glad Trent brought that up. Uh, Scott Dockerman, you have a good week at The Athletic. You always do. We enjoy your stuff. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Doc. All right, thanks, guys, for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman, as uh, we talk a little Iowa. That was a, that was a really good read.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Fun. Yes, absolutely. I uh, Great news that um, that the Panthers are going to be on TV, and Gary Rhyme is going to join us tomorrow morning at 1025. So kind of to put a bow on all of this, mm-hmm. when we were talking about Greg Marshall. Yes. And we are talking about Chris Doyle. Are they kind of in the same vein a little bit? I think so. It's
2: going to be hard for Marshall to get another gig. Well, And I think the part that Rob Doster, you can catch that podcast up on our podcast page earlier in the program today brought up, is pertinent. What Wichita State former player came to his defense? There wasn't one. (laughs) Nobody. Right. When you're doing the vetting that you need to do to bring in this guy, it's probably going to be difficult to Mm -hmm. get a whole lot of those, yeah, you know, he was tough, but. Yeah. And there's not those stories out there. Nope. Uh, Perhaps untouchable. It might be, certainly for a while. Anyways, we'll come back, finish
1: out the program, Miller and Condon, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460
2: KXNO and 1KXNO.
1: on Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on
0: 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO.
1: Tell him Trent Condon sent you. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Oh, my. Anyways, final couple of minutes uh, of a Monday, a President's Day Monday at that. Uh, Not the shiniest slate of games tonight. I thought there was a Big 12 game. Well, it's canceled. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, well, then there it goes. Uh, There's one good game. ACC's got Virginia, I want
2: to say, Florida State? It is, yep, in Tallahassee. And that's early. 6 o'clock. I like the Seminoles. Okay, not love, like. You, do you do you have a play tonight? That's, There's not enough games there to find one. There's supposed to be Baylor at West Virginia tonight. Oh boy, yeah.
1: How fun would that? Oh, no, would have been a blast. Would have been a blast. Boy, the Big Twelve, they uh, they've had some. They had some games. So the Big Ten, that mm-hmm. Michigan Wisconsin game was. Uh, that was fantastic.
2: I thought I was home free. I was on the Badgers. Oh, were you? Yeah, At The, at the end of the first half, you totally felt on good. It. No, no, no.
1: OU yeah. uh, going to uh, going to Morgantown and picking off the Mountaineers that they the way they did. How good is this
2: Oklahoma team? Really good
1: with Reeves when he's playing the way. He is. They're good
2: because you know Maddock was such a big part early in his uh-huh. career. And now he's he's just a piece. Yep. But he's not as I don't know uh, important, if you will, for well, him look, to go. There's
1: Baylor, and then there's a massive gap. Yes. But if you're trying to figure out who's the second best team, you can put a number of them in the hat. West Virginia's in the hat. Uh, I think Texas Tech is in the hat. Oklahoma's clearly in the hat. Don't you? Yes. Who are we missing? Uh, Texas probably. What about Kansas? The- you have to put them there,
2: in in terms of record right now.
1: Did they get ranked? Did the rankings come out? To, uh, they'll they be out? coming out
2: any minute. Yeah, okay, it's right around noontime. I gotta think they're gonna find a way back into so, the yeah. top twenty-five. And they're still they're fifteen and seven and nine and five in the conference, mm-hmm. and the second best conference in the country. Mm-hmm. That's a ranked team, but it's because it's Kansas. Right, it's not what you're used to. Yeah, why they probably aren't there. And when
1: people look at it and they see their body of work from this past week, yeah, come on, they beat Iowa State twice. <laughs> Uh, I would say it was way better Saturday than they were. They were. Very, now, the bar wasn't set very high, to be fair. Uh, but they had a nice win earlier, did they not, in the week? Oklahoma State, maybe? Kansas, I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was Oklahoma State. Yeah. Last Monday. was, so was a big Monday? Monday.
1: Okay, well, we're out of time. Murph and Andy slide in here at 2 again. Gary Rhyme, if you're a Panther fan, we'll do football with Reim basketball, but a lot of football with Gary Reim tomorrow at 1025. Uh, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4 Iowa State coaches show tonight at 6.30 We're Miller and Condon weekdays 10 to noon On 1460 KX And 106.3